So at the uh, second, uh, first Sunday of Advent, we look at the second coming of Jesus. Uh, and it never comes as a surprise to me. I know that's how the liturgy works. I know it happens every year. We come to this Sunday and we're thinking about the second coming. But it never makes it any easier uh, to, to preach on something that is, is so complex and so um, full of lots of uh, different questions that people have. And uh, I know that people have a huge number of theological questions when it comes to uh, the things of the second coming uh, of Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is before uh, I read the passage this morning and before we preach on it, we're just going to invite the Spirit to come. Just going to invite him to do what he wants to do amongst us to enlighten our hearts and minds in this passage in whatever way he wishes to this morning so that we're open to hearing from him more than anyone else today. And so we say, Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh on us? That as we were reflecting last week on the importance of word and spirit being united, we pray that would be true for us this morning as we reflect on these words of Jesus from Luke. that you will inspire us, encourage us, even challenge us in whatever ways you see fit for us this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So the reading is from Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 25. I'm reading from a slightly different version to what's on the screen, but hopefully should be similar enough. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with uh, dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in a couple of days' time, 
excited children up and down the country will be opening their first door on a piece of cardboard which normally has a bit of chocolate inside. Not just the children. Linz has got a cheese advent calendar this year, so she's very excited. Um, we will be counting down the days uh, of Advent, counting down the days uh, towards Christmas. Uh, I was with a group of people online, in, uh, a number of whom were in Australia yesterday morning, and when I explained this concept to them, they looked baffled. The whole concept of having a door that you open every day to count down to Advent, uh, just they couldn't quite compute why we do it. But when you have uh, children in the home or you're around children or grandchildren, you can almost feel that sense of excitement growing as the days get closer and closer to December the 20th. 25th. And uh, it is that sense of almost tangible excitement for many children uh, as we get closer to the day. Uh, I know that when I go into the schools and you get towards those last days of term, I always pray for our teachers that week because it must be really hard work as the kids get more and more excited as, as Christmas approaches. And I was thinking that as we start Advent with the second coming of Jesus, I always wonder whether we're as excited about that as we are about Christmas. Do we get excited about the second coming of Jesus? Does it fill us with that same sense of anticipation and wanting and waiting for Jesus to return? I don't know if it does for you or or, or not. But I know that for a number of people, that when we get to the subject of the second coming of Jesus and we come to preach on it, or maybe even just as you hear passages like that being read, there can be this sense of heaviness. This sense of, oh, this feels weighty. And this feels almost uh, really hard for us to compute. And how do we even take this on? And it can leave us feeling anything but excited. can leave us maybe feeling a little bit worried or fearful or uncertain or whatever it may be. Those feelings may come. And what I want us to do is just using this passage, because to be honest, this passage could be a sermon series in itself. (laughs) So to try and distill it down into into just one Sunday uh, during Advent is a really hard thing to do because there's so much in it of what Jesus says. But what I want to do is just be able to try and hopefully draw out three things that that Jesus talks about, uh, about the second coming, about his return, that we need to be aware of. Because the the weightiness and the seriousness of this is is something we do need to consider. But I think there's also some things that Jesus makes very, very clear in this passage that we need to avoid. Things we need to make sure that we're not doing in order to really understand what it is uh, the second coming is about. And why it is we can look forward to it. Why we can anticipate it with excitement and joy and and look forward to what he's going to do rather than uh, to be afraid. So there's a number of things, a number of do nots that Jesus uh, uses in this discourse as he goes through this passage. There's a number of times he says, do not, do not, do not. And the first one is do not be surprised. When you see these things take place, whatever these things are, uh, and and we, we read that and there's a lot of difficult language to understand. It talks about moons and stars and suns and all kinds of things. Uh, and there's some recent research that uh, I was pointed to this week. Uh, Tom Wright has done it and a couple of other people have done it. That when you look into the scripture at the time and the culture of the time and the language of the time, that that has nothing to do with weather. 
This is not weather predictions. It was actually all symbolism for rulers and authorities and principalities and powers and people in authority and governments and all those kind of things. But anyway, whatever these things are, and then earlier, as we looked at on Remembrance Sunday, Jesus is saying, don't be surprised when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. He's saying, don't be surprised when these things happen because this is going to happen. It's a reality of this world we live in, these kind of groaning, growing pains that we talked about on Remembrance Sunday. And Jesus says, don't be surprised when they happen. Now, not being surprised doesn't mean that you can't be upset by them, or they can't trouble you in some way, or that they don't move you to prayer and intercession. But he's just saying, when they happen, don't be surprised. God knows the plan. God knows what's going to happen. And he knows what's coming after these things take place. And so he says, when you see them, and you will see them, just don't be surprised. You don't need to be surprised because Jesus is telling his disciples now, this is, this is what's going to happen. He's laying it out to them, albeit sometimes in some symbolic language, but he is laying it out to them that these things are going to happen. And so if it's God's plan, don't be surprised by it. And then the second do not is to not be afraid. And I don't know how it happened, but I've been looking into when it happened. Faye and I were talking about this earlier in the week. For some reason, somewhere in the course of history, our understanding of the coming of Jesus completely changed from what it was originally intended to be. And the coming of Jesus has been linked almost inextricably with the end of the world. And we think about the apocalypse. And you think about apocalyptic movies in our culture that every other film that comes out seems to be about the end of the world, doesn't it? That there's a major disaster that looks like it's going to be the end of the world unless particular heroes come and stop it from happening. And it nearly always centers around New York. I was trying to find out how many times in movies New York has been destroyed, and I don't think anyone knows because it's happened too many times. But there's this sense of the end of the world is coming. The end of the world is nigh. And we've associated that with the word apocalypse. And that's what we think. And then people make the link that when Jesus comes, it's going to be the end of the world. Now, I don't know why it happened, but it happened in 1858. That's when it changed in the dictionary. So since 1858, if you look in the dictionary about the meaning of the word apocalypse, it says... A catastrophic event resulting in the end of something, normally the world. That's what the word apocalypse has come to mean. But that is a million miles from what it was originally intended to mean. The book of Revelation, for example, was originally called the Apocalypse of John. And the word's actual translation, literal translation, is to reveal or to unveil. That's the meaning of the word apocalypse. To reveal, to unveil. So the coming of Jesus is not the end of the world. It's the unveiling of the new one. The unveiling of the new heaven and the new earth that he has promised. We need to disassociate the coming of Jesus from the end of the world And realize that as Christians, we stand on the truth that that second coming is the unveiling of his new heaven and his new earth. And that's something to be excited for.
That's something to anticipate and wait for and long for and yearn for because it is the place of no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. It is the new heaven and the new earth coming into this world, restoring everything to how it should be, how it was always intended to be. So when these things happen and you see those signs, and interestingly, the thing I notice is Jesus likens it to summer. You know when summer's coming because you recognize the signs. Likewise, when you see these signs, the summer of the kingdom is coming. It is ushering in the new heaven and the new earth. Our Christian life and being saved is not about being taken up to a better place. It's about that better place coming to us. As we remember those who we've loved and lost this week, we know that they are in God's new heaven and new earth where we will be joined with them. As he ushers in, as he reveals, as he unveils, as he lifts off the mask of this world so that we can see his kingdom fully. So he says, don't be surprised. Don't be afraid. And thirdly, don't be distracted. He wants us to stay focused on him. Focus on the things that really matter in this world. He doesn't want us to be distracted by the trappings of this world. I was listening to something uh, this week that said so many people in this world think that they, if they can do what they want, that that's freedom. But they realize actually when they get to a certain point in their life, they're, they're trapped. Freedom is found in Christ alone. Only Christ has the keys to freedom. And so as we enter into that freedom, we need to make sure we're not distracted by the things of the world. And I've noticed a couple of huge ironies that seem to be happening in this time of uncertainty because we are living in times of uncertainty where people are afraid and people are distracted and people are not alert to the things of Jesus. And because they're not alert to the things of Jesus, they're being distracted by many, many other things online and what they're reading and what they're seeing and what they're doing. And the irony is that when people begin to believe in conspiracy theories, they talk about them being the ones who are awake. <laughs> Couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> the only ones who are truly awake are those who are focused on Jesus Christ. And it breaks my heart that people are being distracted away. People who know Jesus are being distracted away from him by these things. These things of the world. And even, ironically, being distracted by end times. <laughs> being distracted by end times theology and focusing so much on what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, what it's going to look like when it happens, so focused on that, which is a very tiny portion of Scripture, that they're in danger of missing Jesus Christ in the middle of it. In the center of it all. He's where our focus should be. His call is to not be distracted by those things so that we can focus on him. The author and perfecter of our faith, the one who has called us into that relationship with him, the one who's called us to be heirs of the kingdom that we're about to see come. Whenever it happens, 
Not to predict when it's going to come, because even Jesus doesn't know when it's going to happen. One of my favorite things uh, by Louis Giglio says about the end times, that, well, are we living in the end times? And he very rightly says, we've been living in the end times since Jesus ascended to heaven. And what he says is actually in God's kingdom, in God's economy, when you read the language of Hebrews, where uh, to the Lord uh, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, it's only been two days since Jesus raised from the dead. <laughs> you know, whenever it happens is not our concern. Our concern is to be alert, focused on Jesus, and not surprised. Focused on Jesus and not afraid. Focused on Jesus and not distracted. That's our call. When we think about the second coming at this time of Advent, that's our call. That's what this passage Jesus is making so clear to his disciples. These things are going to happen, but don't be afraid. Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. Be expectant. Because I'm unveiling. I'm unveiling, I'm revealing to you the kingdom. And there's a sense in which Jesus has already done that when he came, and so we're seeing glimpses of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, but we only see in part. Then we shall see in full. Just think for a moment about the greatest example you've seen of his kingdom. Maybe you've seen someone healed. Maybe you've seen his provision. Maybe you've seen somebody love somebody else unconditionally and you've seen a glimpse of his kingdom in that. Maybe you've been caught up in a time of worship where it's felt like you're surrounded by saints and angels and you just sense this wonderful presence. Maybe you've known that peace that passes understanding in a time of trial. Maybe you, you've seen a reconciliation between two people that seemed impossible Maybe you think about the time that you came to know Jesus and you came to experience him for the first time and you said yes and you decided to follow him. Maybe you've seen it in the miracle of birth. Maybe you've seen it in, in his creation. Maybe you've seen it in the wonder of, of who he is. Maybe you've had an encounter of glory. Maybe you've, you've seen God do something that is seemingly impossible. We've only seen in part then we shall see in full as he reveals and unveils fully his new heaven and his new earth. If that doesn't give you cause to be excited, I don't know what will. And I think it's fitting and it's right and it's good that we begin Advent here. Because what we realize is that this same Jesus that we're talking about here, who is going to come in glory, riding on the clouds, revealing his new heaven and his new earth, this same Jesus chose to become like us. <laughs> so that we can know the Father through him. So that we can be saved by him. Jesus isn't the one who saves. Jesus is salvation itself. Jesus isn't the one in whom freedom is found. Jesus is freedom itself. 
Jesus is peace itself, life itself, hope itself, grace itself. If you want to look for the signs of the kingdom, you'll find them in him. And when you see him, you see where he's working. You see what he's doing. And what he says very clearly in this is the one thing that stands, his words, his truth. When all else passes away, he is what remains. So this Advent, let us commit to staying focused on him. Let us commit to not be surprised, to stay focused on him. To not fear, because we're focused on him. To not be distracted, because we're focused on him and his word. And let us be excited with eager anticipation for that great, great day. When he returns, the veil is lifted and we see him in all his glory. And we see the revealing of his new heaven and his new earth where there is no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. And we will be like him. Oh, goodness me. We will be like him. For we will see him face to face. We can't use an advent calendar to do that because we don't know when it's coming. (laughs) But we can be ready by focusing our lives on Jesus. Amen.